0: hi this is andrew and this is Keon the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers hello everybody it's friday october the 6th 2023 welcome to keen On, the show about new writers new books big books big writers i always intrigued with writers, uh, particularly their bios. They always reveal who they are or what they want to be. My guest today, um, Isle McElroy, has an interesting bio. It leads, Isle McElroy is a non-binary writer based in Brooklyn. I'm less interested in the Brooklyn bit because all my guests seem to be from Brooklyn. But I'm intrigued with the fact that they lead with being a non-binary writer. Writer, I'm not ensure, entirely sure what that means. And uh, I have Ayal with me to tell me. So uh, tell me, Ayal, uh, uh, congratulations on the new book, People Collide. We're going to talk about it. What does a non-binary writer mean? What do you mean by leading with that in your bio? Hey, uh, thank you
1: so much for having me on. It's uh, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, what I mean by that, I think I wanted to make it pretty clear uh, how I identify uh, and I identify as non binary, which is that I don't identify as male or female. Um, so I think the importance for me in putting that in my bio um, was just making sort of clear where I stand as a person. I don't think it really shapes necessarily the type of in some ways it probably does shape the type of writing that I do um, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, fundamental to what exactly I'm producing and what I'm writing but I think it's important to me that I had that in my bio just so that people know who I am as a person uh, when they're coming in and when they're reading this book uh, and when they are sort of thinking of me moving through the world. I think it's something that I work to accept for myself and something that I want to make sure that people are able to see uh, in me and when they interact with me.
0: Where are you from? Where were you born?
1: Uh, I was born in New Jersey. So I spent the first uh, 18 years of my life growing up in rural New Jersey.
0: Rural, you said? Yes. I rural, didn't know there yes. was any rural bits of New Jersey. <laughs> there is,
1: yeah. It's, uh, I grew up in Northwest New Jersey, right next to Pennsylvania in a super small town.
0: It's interesting. Um, earlier this week, I had Leon Weaseltier on. He's the editor of, of Liberties, who are a sponsor of the show. Um, and he has a new essay in, in Liberties about America's love affair with the promise of personal and social change, the idea of transformation. Uh, he's, he sees it as the religion of America and of Americans, uh, this idea. And we, and we touched a little bit on gendered transformation. Do you think that there's mm-hmm. something peculiarly American about the idea of transitioning from one gender to another? Uh, can you repeat that question? Do, do you, I, I, given I you that were. Americans love the idea of change, that the religion, if there is a civic religion in America, it's of one kind of transformation or, or another, um, do you think that there's something, I wouldn't say peculiarly American, but something that somehow conforms to i don't know american ideology or culture the idea of transitioning gender uh
1: no i I don't think i would say that i think to label it american um i think would is pretty um uh, anti-american no uh, nationalistic right like i think to claim that uh something as essential as how people see themselves uh and their gender identity as american i think would be putting a lot of weight i think would be taking a lot of credit away from uh the actual work and thinking and feeling that goes into people's gender identities right i think it's absolutely um I think a lot of the sort of transition and transformation that happens in America is often like, uh, economic or s- sort of like how you can sort of change your social situations more than it is about like essentially changing your identity. So I wouldn't say that it's particularly American.
0: And in my conversation with all, Leon, I it's something um, that, um, is, um, I'll, in my conversation with, um, Leon, we talked about gender identity. I mean, he's no more of an expert on it than I am. He's an old fart like me, but um old Jewish fart. But um we talked about the idea of returning as opposed to transition. In terms of uh, gender bending or gender transforming, do you see it as a return in the sense, if you went from male to female or from female to male, are you returning to something or are you transforming yourself or is are, are neither ways of describing that appropriate?
1: Yeah, I would say that neither of them are really appropriate. Um, I I don't think of it as kind of like a return. I'm not sure like what.
0: Well, my return, return and I'm, I'm on thin of, ice yeah, here, I'll probably yeah. get into trouble. Oh, okay. So yeah. tell me if I'm particularly insensitive or incorrect yeah. here. But the idea, my understanding, uh, in terms Mm -hmm. of some people who change their gender, who decide to change their gender, is that they believe or they think that they were born a male or a a male or female. And as it Mm -hmm. happens, they're they're returning to that in terms of changing their gender, they're to, to put it in. In, in philosophical terms, they're in, in terms that somebody like Rousseau would understand, they're returning to themselves, they're reuniting with their true identities. Yeah, um,
1: I think that that is one way, and I think that's a really popular narrative that a lot of trans people do feel, right, that they are, uh, that I think it's sometimes called like they were yeah. know, born uh in maybe like the wrong body or something like that um and i think that that is something that um was i think one of the dominant sort of narratives that um was passed around um i think that that is a really true narrative for a lot of people right and it can definitely feel like a return for a lot of trans people um i can't speak for all trans people. So I know that a lot of people do feel that way. Um, But I think to make it sort of essentially all about return, I think, again, would just be a little bit too black and white of thinking about what uh, actually goes into a much more complicated um, activity and a much more complicated sort of process than it is about just um, returning.
0: And it seems an appropriate time to get into your new book. A lot of people, um, the book just came out last week, People Collide, which in a sense, I guess, is a book about being born in the wrong body or returning maybe in some ways. A lot of people will be familiar with your first book, The At- The Atmospherians, that did very well. Um, Thank you. Is People Collide a book about being born in the wrong body?
1: In part? Uh... On its surface, I I wouldn't say so, right? I mean, potentially, uh, there have been some readings of the book. I know the LA Times, there was a really wonderful review of the book that really... Uh, considered the way that it might be a kind of like wish fulfillment for its main character, Eli, uh, when he inhabits the white, the body of his wife. Um, but I don't think it is necessarily, I think maybe subconsciously, uh, maybe thematically and metaphorically, uh, it is a book about returning. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily about um, about that About the sort of return to an ideal or like preferred gender. Um, I think it's actually more of questioning uh, how, you know, being in another body shapes or being in the body of someone with whom you're extremely intimate and close with uh, reconfigures how you see that person and how you see yourself, right? But I'm like, there are undoubtedly, not undoubtedly, there are intentionally a lot of like trans themes that appear in this book because they were on my mind um but they are i think both part of like the superficial narrative and more of a subconscious unconscious narrative so both of them are working at the same time and i think a lot of books uh, a lot of fiction especially necessarily needs to work on both of those levels both the conscious and the unconscious
0: earlier this uh, year uh, i I was in bulgaria and i have to admit i never imagined Mm -hmm. uh, having someone on my show who has a an ambitious book like yours that begins in bulgaria T- tell us h- how and why the-, the story begins in bulgaria of all places and How did you decide that
1: yeah um i'd spent a little bit of time in bulgaria so it was a place that i felt uh that i wanted to write about um also i think craft wise for this book it was really important that these characters be in a place where they aren't easily recognizable and um seen by everyone in their lives uh so because eli and elizabeth swap bodies they end up being really they have to sort of masquerade as each other. And I think if they were, let's say, in America, uh, if they were surrounded by a lot of really close friends, um, I think the book would have fallen apart pretty quickly and they would have been sort of discovered fairly quickly. Uh, But because they're in another country, because they are sort of away from a lot of their friends and family, um, it was an opportunity to allow the narrative to continue Um, so that I think it was important on a craft level for it to be sort of set outside of the united states or set out of like a familiar certainly set outside uh, environment of for these characters um yeah outside of brooklyn brooklyn doesn't uh, have only one the only b is, is
0: bulgaria so we've jumped <laughs> into the deep end and, and we haven't even trod on in the shallow tell us about the story what, what is the story it's a it's a very intriguing narrative i'll tell us t- tell us what the book's about yeah. it's a novel of course
1: yeah so the book Yeah, the novel um, is about, so it's sort of a magical realism novel. Uh, It is told to the perspective of Eli, uh, who is a aspiring writer, who is a mediocre writer, um, and he is married to Elizabeth, uh, who is a very talented writer who is in Bulgaria on a teaching fellowship, on a like, yeah, an English teaching fellowship. Um, So one morning... Eli goes to her school where he is going to help her teach. And he discovers that he is inhabiting her body and that his body uh, has gone missing. His assumption is that Elizabeth is in that body, um, but he can't get in touch with her. And at one point, he discovers that his body is in Paris. And so he goes to Paris, kind of a a, a
0: mystery. uh, I was getting into trouble for interrupting, Um, but uh, explain the it's not a metaphysical reality. It's a physical reality. How does he know he's in the wrong body? What what actually what's the experience?
1: Yes, so the experience is how other people are uh, relating. Oh, I see. Like what he suddenly Yeah, it's that other people are suddenly uh, speaking to him as if he's Elizabeth. And you know, he looks at his hands and they're her hands looks in the mirror, all of that.
0: So when I wake up in the morning, and I know I'm Andrew, um, Mm -hmm. I have been hijacked or appropriated into somebody else's body, lock, stock and barrel, nothing changes, right? He still feels who he is. He's just in another body.
1: Correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. So all of his personality is the same. Um, His thoughts are the same. Uh, But I think one of the questions is actually like, in what ways does your personality change when you have a different physical reality, right? Like, and I think that was one of the core questions of the book as well, too, and one of the really fun and exciting things to explore in this novel is how exactly our personalities do change based on our, like, physical realities, based on our, like, uh, corporeal dimensions and all yeah, of that. Yeah,
0: and I mean, it's something that's obsessed philosophers since the beginning of time of who we are and what we are. Your first book, The right. Atmospherians, is a book in some ways about men and the failure of men, particularly in America. Yes. I'm guessing there's some of that in this book too. Uh, the successful woman, the failed man, the untalented man, the talented woman, and then the the failed man goes into the body, but not the mind of the... Uh, it would have been better to have gone the other way around, wouldn't it?
1: Uh, for... For Elizabeth to, to be, experience... Like, the mind uh, of the...
0: Being a failure. Yeah, um,
1: I I guess. What do you mean by better? More amusing. Um, <laughs> like, like better, better for whom? Or wow, like you know, I yeah. Sort of continuing
0: I, on your from the first book about failed American men. Yeah. How pathetic they all are.
1: Yeah, um, I I mean I guess I had to write something different. I can't just write the same book
0: every time. So. I mean, it's a wonderful story, and it's very uh, it, it's very adventurous, um, Isle. Were you trying to make points here, or were you just having fun? Oh, uh,
1: hopefully it was a little bit of both. I mean, I'm, of course there were some points in there. There's there's this author who I really love, uh, her name is Idrid Novi, and she has this theory that um, really good writing, she thinks about plot and fun as something like a clothes hanger. Uh, or like a clothesline and you have this taught like plot and then on it you hang all the things that you're like really interested in right and so i think of the fun that i was having with the book um as kind of a that taught plot line clothesline, um and then i think there are definitely some points that i wanted to make in the book points about intimacy about empathy about understanding and really just about what are the of how deeply we can know another person. I think for me, I've had a question of, like, how deeply can I ever truly know this person? And I think this book kind of takes that to its extreme, right? Can I ever really know a person who I'm married to, who I am ostensibly, like, really close with, um, even if I'm entirely in their body, right? Like at what point do I still know them? At what point do I no longer know them? Um, And that was one of like the driving forces for this book, right? Of course it has a lot of fun, um, but definitely questions about how we connect with and understand other people is at the core of it. And I think that was one of like, a lot of the points I was trying to make were around that, around intimacy and empathy and love and
0: that, yeah. Well, Isle McElroy has written a big book about lots of important themes. Uh, people collide. Uh, what some people call agenda bo- bending body snatching, more about marriage and identity. Um, Isle, you mentioned earlier that um, this is speculative, of course, and fun, but also mm. serious. It also seems to be not entirely unrealistic. Given the various technological advances, we've done a number of shows on biotech and on our 21st century Brave New World. It seems to me that perhaps by the end of the century, we will be able to probably voyage into other bodies and and experience what you write about in the book. Do you think that's true? so there have been some
1: experiments that have tried to replicate this that have happened with vr uh i think in 2020 uh there was an experiment some findings were published um about i think about 30 or so groups of best friends were brought together and they were allowed or to put on vr headsets and see each other or see their friend through the other's perspective Um, and it caused some weird problems i mean one of the goals of the experiment was to try to detach people from their own self-narratives. I think it was being, uh, (coughs) excuse me, Um, the idea was to maybe think about things like depression and anxiety and how much of that is based on physical reality and based on narratives that we tell ourselves. Um, What they ended up finding is there was kind of a muddling of memory and a muddling of almost like self-knowledge. And that when people were viewing the world through the lives of their friends uh someone who they are deeply close to they would sort of lose track of memories about themselves and lose track of like whose uh, memory is whose and that to me seems like a, like, so obviously there's a lot of curiosity about this narrative, right? I mean, Freaky Friday remains a really popular movie for this reason, right? Because we are constantly wondering like what it would be like to be in another person's shoes, what it would be like to inhabit another person's body. Um, but I do think that maybe I'm a bit of an alarmist um, and But I do think that the few experiments that we've done so far into thinking about like what it would actually be like to do this um, have sort of resulted in findings that to me seem a little bit disquieting. That They seem like, um I'm not sure we're supposed to really inhabit other people's bodies I think like things like VR and stuff like that make it possible to imitate that video games have been doing that for a long time um in books are essentially that right like entering another life another narrative um but I do think that there is like I I am Um, I think obviously we're going in that direction at that boundary Uh, in the same way that when people talk about uploading consciousness to the cloud or something like that it never seems like real it just seems like oh it's like a memory stick with a bunch of your thoughts on it that's not actually you Um, and similarly like inhabiting another person's body I don't think I don't know if you would ever actually be able to do it because of how much of like our own consciousness is right, defined that's the point by it's like, like and egg, right? yeah, exactly, it is defined by like, everything that has come before, how I exist in my own body, right? Like how I feel being six feet tall is going to affect like how I move through the world. So when I'm suddenly not um, like, is it still my personality inside that other person's body?
0: Right. Well, I'm pleased that you don't believe it's possible because uh, you've given this a lot of thought you, you you said earlier this is something we're not supposed to do does that suggest uh, an element of religiosity with you or w- w- is there an order of things oh supposed, who's making the rules here i <laughs> yeah who is making the rules I, and um, you're a breaker of rules really- so you know not only yeah. about rules but how to break
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like religiosity. I I do think that it's a, to me, it seems like a basic level of respect, right? Like, uh, I think there's something...
0: Or for respect for the order of things?
1: Respect for other people, right? I mean, to me, it's like a respect for another person's consciousness, right? I think that is actually like, that's what intimacy is to me, is the decision. There's a point in this book where Eli sort of questions. um, He misses, like his wife grazing his back, right? And he's like, but how can I miss this when I literally am in her body and I can graze my own back? Um, But I think things like intimacy, things like touch are all about another person's decision to touch us, to be intimate with us, to say what they're thinking, right? And so I think by inhabiting another person's mind, um, what you're doing is sort of abolishing that decision that another person is making, which actually creates intimacy, right? In the same way that like, I, I, it's a pretty crude comparison, but think about something like the idea of invisibility, right? Like to inhabit another person's. It would feel to me like in the real world, um, potentially a violation to just completely inhabit. A new person right like that um, or like get complete access to their thoughts or something like that that's what I would say like to mind read another person seems like scary because I think like what's most exciting about connection with other people is when you decide to sort of
0: tell each other those things um, yeah but that is true of course but it's also what you do as an artist as a novelist is you're getting inside someone else um, and yeah. you Your mystery, your intimacy is bound up in your work. Um, So in a way, maybe our desire to write novels or read novels reflect our desire to actually get inside other people.
1: Oh, absolutely. Right. And I do think that the novel works fundamentally different from like how I interact with people in my life. Right. Like, um, you know, a novel is not going to be like my best friend, you know, like the relationship that I have with like living autonomous people is going to be very different from the relationship that I have to a piece of artwork. Right. And I think art is an opportunity to understand like it's a space to sort of explore the things that we can't do with people on a day-to-day basis and that's what's most exciting for me about writing novels and about like um about this book in particular is that it sort of gave me a space to sort of question things that i don't think are like metaphysically possible uh in our lives but also that i think aren't like um don't make for good connections with other people, right? I think there's, yeah, the desire to know someone deeply and intimately, the desire to know what another person is thinking, I think is real. But I think part of being alive is understanding that we can't do that. And I think, for me, the novel, and I think art, in general, is an opportunity to engage with those spaces, uh, where, like, everyday things are Yeah, and
0: you often hear these cliches of supposedly happily married couples saying, Oh, well, we know everything about one another. And of course, as you just suggested, if you know everything about one another, then there's no longer any mystery and there's probably no longer any intimacy. There needs to be mystery for intimacy. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the most exciting things about
1: like, the longer term relationships that i've had whether they're like romantic relationships or whether they're just friendships is like discovering new things about a person right like that's always super exciting for me is knowing someone for like 9 years and then being like oh i had no idea that like you know th- they went on like a vacation to nova scotia when they were 7 right like does it like even something as like arbitrary as that just like finding out a new thing about a person finding a new like feeling that they have about something um all of that i think is really exciting about knowing a person and knowing that um another person is like endlessly complicated and mysterious i think is i don't know one of again a joy of like connecting with other people is knowing that there's always more to understand and see in another person that seems really exciting to me and that i think is like a real like core of, of were you
0: born with the first name isle is that your or you invent, because it, uh, it's no, appropriate, you know, no, in, in terms of being an isle. We're all isles, right? <laughs> yeah, we are.
1: We are. But maybe, I mean, sometimes we're shoals, right? Yeah, we're but you're saying we together. can't be
0: completely, yeah. we're always ultimately isles. We're all isles who want to be shoals. Yeah, I I think uh, I think that is kind of true,
1: right? But But I think we want to be, but I think that tension and that conflict of wanting to be and knowing that we can't. Um, is one of the real beautiful things about being alive, right? And one of the things that we have to accept, um, this, this fundamental impossibility to fully and entirely connect with another person, but we're still sort of constantly sort of reaching for it. And I think that reach is um, exciting and heartbreaking and uh, sort of fuels so much of like, desire and love and just genuine human connection um but yeah but that we can't do that and that we're attempting to sort of bridge that divide um i think motivates a lot of a lot of my connection it's the all
0: too human quality which of course as you suggested tech isn't going to be able to address ai might promise to but it won't be able to (laughs) i'm guessing from your bio that you're not married maybe you are maybe you're not but having written this book did it make you more or less keen on the institution of marriage
1: yeah um i think this book really questions i'm not married correct um yeah it does question the way, the role that marriage plays in relationship to love, right? I think marriage is something that for a lot of people can be the sort of final stamp on the sense of love, right? Like you'll reach the completion of love or something like that. Or it can appear that way, right? Because of like the celebration and the party that's involved uh, in a marriage oftentimes, um, the actual wedding event itself. Um, but I think a lot of me was questioning like how, um, how vital these sort of social contracts are when it comes to relating to other people, right? And what is actually love versus what is assumed love based on whatever like government agreement people have made such as like getting married or something like that, right? How does it at times like really um, intensify a sense of love and how at times does it stand in for actual affection and actual attention and intimacy, um, because you have, let's say the designation of marriage, and how might that sort of take the place of actually uh, connecting intimately with Well, I
0: hope if you do get married, I'll, uh, the invitation will describe it as a people collision.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's Yeah, we already have the uh, the invitations made, thankfully. Yeah, our hashtag, all of that. It'll People be Collision
0: in life and in art. Thank you so much, Isle. Congratulations on the new book. And you're certainly someone who I hope the keen on audience and readers and viewers will keep an eye on. And we'll have you back on the show. Very interesting conversation. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was great being on. I appreciate it.